with the appropriations amendment bill um let me start by uh, welcoming all of you uh, i'll be co-chairing uh, with honorable njadu the reason being that uh, honorable uh, mashango the chairperson of the select committee is having a bereavement at home uh, her grandmother passed on yesterday uh, as, as both committees were saying our heartfelt condolences uh, to, uh, to, 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 to the family. Uh, we are doing this in, in, in compliance. Uh, all members, please mute, 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 mute your, your please mute, mute, mute your, 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 your mic, your mics. Uh, thank you. So uh, this is in in line with uh, both the stipulations of the of the Money Bills Act and and the PFMA. So we must go through this uh, 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 process. Um, how we'll do it? Uh, I'll allow National Treasurer. I think Dr. Mampo is around already um, to make a presentation. We agreed there are a lot of issues that she must cover. That uh, it will be about an hour. And then after that, we'll take uh, questions from the honorable members uh, and, and then um, allow them to respond to whatever they've raised. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, uh, honorable members. Um, can I get from uh, Lubabalo? Do we have any apologies from your side? Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, we, as the Select Committee on Appropriation, Chairperson, we have three apologies. Honorable Tutoit, Chair, Honorable Molezane, and Chepesin uh, Matango, Chepesin. Those are the three apologies that we have received, Chair. Thank you so much. Uh, Darren from the side. Chepesin, from Standing Committee, we only received the apology from Ms. Peters. That's it, Chair. There's also an apology from uh, Honorable Mat Matafa. Uh, okay. Is also attending to a bereavement. All right. Okay, honorable members, do uh, we have a uh, national treasury uh, secretaries? Yes, Chairperson. I I saw Mr. Sishi. Um, I I can see Dr. Motiesa Chair. Yeah. Um, Chair David Masondo. Oh, okay. Thank, 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 thank you so much. Um, let Let's just start right right away. As I said, that, uh, oh, the DG is also in. Okay. So, um, thank, thank, thank you so much, uh, colleagues from National Treasury. Um, Deputy Minister Ma Masondo. Uh, can you please come in with your, your team? You have exactly an hour to finish all your business. The time now is, is 12.34. So 13.34, you'll have to step down. Uh, DM, you're welcome. No, thanks. Uh, I, I won't be long. Um, I think as we all are aware that uh, the 2020 Special Appropriation Bill has been necessitated by the outbreak of COVID. And we really thank the committee, the parliament, for really moving with speed in uh, making sure that we uh, table 
the the budget and 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 thanks once more for this opportunity to present the 2020 appropriation bill particularly the distribution of funds across national votes we've already presented chair the fiscal framework the division of revenue bill uh, where the point where we're coming back to you to present the uh, distribution of funds across uh, votes so i want take a lot of time uh, since you've already indicated that uh, we really don't have a lot of time. So I'll ask uh, Dr. Mudise to, together with the DG, to lead um, us insofar as the presentation is concerned. And Chair, may I also apologize that I won't be with the committees um, because I've got to join a mini plenary on the National Treasury budget vote, so which is taking place this afternoon. So I will really, really um, ask to be excused uh, by the committee, but the team will um, be with you throughout. Thank you, Chair. Ma'am, DG. Thank you. Thank you, DM. Can the background staff just remind the chair? Yes. Uh, as, as, as Honorable Njadu, come in. Babado. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Chairperson. I'm, I'm sorry about that, Chair. Chair, I would like to uh, remind you to keep on reminding our guests to switch on their cameras because the TV guys are phoning me. I mean, my colleagues, they are phoning me. So I'm, I'm sorry about that hiccup, Chair. There. Okay. That's, 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 that's fine. Safe to say that uh, the face of the deputy minister has been, is being cut. We only see the, the, the bottom part of his spectacles. So if you can just uh, re, readjust it. Okay, thank, thank you. It's <clears throat> Funuk Bon. Um, um, is Honorable Njatu in? Babado will indicate to me, but that's fine. Um, um, DG. Uh, Dr. Mampo, please uh, continue. Good afternoon, Chairperson. Um, good afternoon, Honourable Members. Thank you so much for having Treasury um, present on the Adjustment Appropriation Bill. Um, Chairperson, I'm going to share my screen um, which would be the presentation is can anyone everyone see the presentation yes continue yeah. <clears throat> yes we can see we can see all right so thank you so much chairperson i will be doing this presentation with um dr roy haverman who is going to take the committee through the updates of the credit guarantee scheme. But I will be doing um, the rest of the presentation on the adjustments appropriation bill. So basically, I'm Jefferson and honorable members, the Minister of Finance, according to the Money's Bill and Related Matters Act, is allowed to 
Um, or it enables the minister to table an adjustments budget. Um, as you are aware, most of the time the adjustments budget is tabled in October. Um, this is the first time we actually had to do an adjustments budget um, a few months after doing the budget review. But it is allowed according to the Act. But what, what enables the minister to do that would be if there's significant changes in the fiscal and economic impact, especially on... Um, on the finances of the country and the fact that um, there was a national state of disaster that was declared um, as a result of COVID necessitated that the minister tables the special adjustments budget or the adjustments budget. Um, basically, um, honorable members and chairperson, what we were looking at was trying to specify the type of spending that is allowed under the adjustments. And basically what we were looking at is adjusting spending due to significant and unforeseeable economic and financial um, reasons. And then she Shifting between votes because we had to move money from one vote to, I mean, from other votes and um, to the other other votes that were financially under pressure. Um, all of these adjustments that will not be included in the specific adjustments, we will definitely include these in the October 2020, and any other movement between now and or and um, October will be included there in the October um, adjustments bill. So basically, honourable members and chairperson, what we are looking at in terms of this committee, which is the Standing Committee on Appropriations, is that once the fiscal framework has been um, adopted by um, the National Assembly, we look at the Division of Revenue Bill, and once that is um, accepted or adopted, then we in the process of the appropriations legislation. So basically what the appropriation legislation does is that it distributes the income or it distributes the allocations of the um, national sphere across the 41 national votes. So basically, Chairperson and Honourable Members, this committee has the powers to change the appropriations of departments. But what is important to note is that the bottom line has to remain the same. So for every um, proposal to increase uh, an allocation for one vote, it means there will be a same amount of a decline in another vote. So basically what this means is that after the division of revenue is passed, what the appropriation um, committee does is to make sure that the split that is allocated to the national department is allocated fairly across all the departments. Therefore, you have the powers to move money within the votes, but the, the bottom line has, has to be be the same. So, honourable members and um, chairperson, when we started with this process, the president announced that we will need to find 130 billion from within existing budgets. So, what we had to do as a starting point, as um, the budget analyst in Treasury, was to look at the type of expenditure that we have. So, honourable members, this slide gives you what, um, in a simplest form, how the budget of the country is structured. So, basically, you start with a total expenditure of about 1.7 trillion. When you start taking out things that are, seem to be non-discretionary, you will see that your compensation of employees, which is what you need to pay, and it's sort of semi-discretionary, um, 
discretionary. You have interest on land, which is a direct charge from the National Revenue Fund, so you have to pay for it. Then you have transfers to provinces and municipalities. This will be the direct charge, and this are things like your equitable share of provinces and local government, but also some of the conditional grants to both provinces and municipalities. If you take out those in this 1.7 trillion, then you have the subsidies that government pays for higher um, education institutions, and we also have to pay our membership for foreign governments and international um, organizations. You also have some of the subsidies that you pay for public corporations and private enterprises. You have social grants that we need to pay. And then in goods and services, you have a category that is called operational leases, where it doesn't matter whether you have occupied the building or not, you still have to pay for those leases. And we also committed funds um, that we're going to uh, assist um, ESCOM and some of the state-owned uh, state entities that are um, having liquidity challenges. What you have left, uh, basically, honorable members and chairperson, you only left with about $235 billion. Now, if you have to find... 130 billion of the 234. Basically, it means you have to take away 43% of that money that equates to 130 billion. But this doesn't uh, doesn't. This is not the end point. You still have to give some money to departmental agencies and accounts, and the biggest ones of those would be. Entities such as your um, South African Revenue Services, uh, your NFSAs fall part of these, um, Sunral, Nantol form part of these, the IEC also form part of this. So it won't be possible to just um, blindfoldedly remove money from these entities. You also have um, payment for capital assets, and these are mainly um, some of the um, capital buildings and machinery that the departments buy. You still have the rest of goods and services where you're looking at consultation consultants, you have fuel, all of those form part of this. And we also do still give money for non-profit organizations. So when we were given the task to find 130 billion, what became very clear is that the nature of this budget doesn't allow us to easily just take away um, 130 billion. What we also did, honorable members, was to analyze um, what happens when we protect other uh, other other um, departments. So when we got the message from the president, we were told that find the 130 billion, but make sure you protect the Department of Health, the departments in the um, security cluster, which is your police and the defense force. We were also asked to basically um, protect social development. So if you look at the structure of the budget, if we had to find a 130 billion across the board, basically or 100 billion, basically you're looking at a 10% budget reduction for every vote at a national level. But the moment you start excluding departments, so you look at these five departments, when you exclude them from the budget reduction, it means for the rest of the departments that are there, it, it is a 20% um, reduction that you're going to have to find. 
And when things progressed, honorable members and chairperson, we realized that there are other pressures that we need to deal with. So, for example, in human settlement, immediately they had to um, start mobilizing clean water using the tanks. Transport had to um, deal with the taxis, the taxi ranks, and make sure that they sanitize all of those. Water and sanitation had to look at how they fast track providing water to informal settlements. Now, the moment you start removing departments, you realize whatever pot is left, it means you're going to increase the percentage that you need. But another thing, honorable members and chairperson, that I want the committee to take note of is that our budgets basically are very um, labor intensive. So basically this column here just explains to you that, for example, if we take out the five departments, which is health, social development, police and defense and correctional services, the share of non-compensation budget that you will need to come to the 100 billion that is required will be 32%. If you exclude human settlement, transport and water, it means the share of non-compensation budget increases even more. So basically, if you exclude these seven departments, you have to basically um, find about 42% of what is left when you include compensation for the other departments, which became very difficult to justify because when we were doing this assessment, we had to balance what is announced by the president. We have to find what is announced by the president because it was we were tasked to do that and we had to do so. We also had to look at if we find this money, what happens to the rest of the departments that um, are classified as um, not frontline or they don't provide frontline services when it comes to COVID. So those were the balancing act, um, honorable members and chairperson, that we had to do as, as the Treasury. computer is frozen. Okay, so what we looked at, honorable members, is that we looked at are the possible um, programs that we can suspend, one, and when we suspend those programs, do we think that how do we um, measure the impact? Is the impact going to be minimal or significant? Secondly, is there a possibility that within these departments we can find areas where we can suspend but reallocate some of the funding to the same department so that they deal with the rising pressures um, of COVID? And then how we wanted to present it to the committee and to the public was to be very um, transparent and show you where we were when we started in the budget, um, were there any suspensions or areas where we um, identified that can be suspended with minimal um, impact on service delivery and the functioning of the departments. We also show how we reallocated these funds within the department and then we also show the net change and the total allocation for the rest of the year. So in summary, Chairperson and Honourable Members, as I said, we were tasked to find um, 130 billion, but um, of that 130, the 100 was supposed to come from the National Department. So what we have found was about 100 billion or 109 billion of temporary suspension. But what we have realized is that the department need the money 
um, the the department still required the money, so we couldn't take the whole hundred billion and take it out and give it to um, frontline departments. So most of the money remained within um, the different departments where we've identified the temporary suspension. So basically. Um, the suspension is about 54 billion um, that came for, or that was allocated in national um, departments. About 13.8 billion of that was on conditional grants, and about 12.6 billion was in local conditional grant. And the suspension in terms of provinces for their equitable share, as you would have heard in the um, presentations of the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill, were about 20 billion. So in summary, this is what I've mentioned, um, honorable members, but basically what the way the money went to um, just quickly was support to um, the vulnerable household, that will be social development. There was a 21.5 billion that was allocated to both provincial and national health. Um, support to municipalities ended up at 20 billion. Other frontline services, honorable members and chairperson will make be um, money that went to the defense force and the police service. There was also money allocated for basic and higher education and mainly this money was to make sure that those two departments were ready when um, the, schools, uh, uh, the schools got back to normal. So we had to allocate some of the funding there mainly for um, I will go back to the details, but this was mainly to make sure that the departments were ready when we went back to um, normality. We also had to allocate some of the fund for the small and informal businesses, and this was mainly for um, the support that was provided by different departments, such as Department of Tourism, Department of Small Business, and also Department of um, Trade and Industry. We also allocated some of the funds or moved funds there. And we also have support um, to public entities of about $6 billion, and there were other um, COVID interventions amounting to about $1.7 billion. As you were maybe aware, honorable members, we're also proposing an allocation for land bank of $3 billion, but we also have what is we call in the budget um, provisional allocation for fiscal relief. This money, basically, honorable members, is the money that will be available this year for most of it for the um, employment um, program that was announced by the president. The reason why this money is not yet allocated to any department is because we are still working with the presidency and the line departments that will be involved in providing the service because what we looked at was is there a possibility to use the mechanism that already exists in the departments and enhance those so that they can implement um, what the president has announced instead of starting from um, new or um, having new programs. So the reason why is a provisional allocation is that we're finalizing the paperwork, we're finalizing the targets with the different departments, and this money will be allocated um, by uh, October 2020 in the MTBPS. So this money exists and it will be spent. We're just making sure we're finalizing the paperwork. Um, this honorable members and chairperson, the slide just shows you where 
um, the suspensions were and the downward um, reductions. Um, I will go through this as and when I go through the different um, departments. So this is a summary of what was budgeted for according to um, function classification, honorable members and chairperson. So basically the most important um, part of this slide is that for most of these functions, there were um, increases in their allocations. The only one where there was a decline in their allocations will be um, departments that fall within the economic development function group. About seven billion was reduced, but also learning and culture, there was a 13 billion reduction, but most of this is made out of the eight billion where it was a four month um, skills development levy, levy holiday. So it's not that we've um, reduced more um, for learning and culture. This is mainly that eight billion that explains um, the lower or the negative amount in um, learning and culture. So honorable members and chairperson, this slide gives you the department that um, had the most um, suspensions in terms of the net impact. And I'll just go through the departments quickly to give you an indication of what items um, we looked at. So the first one, um, honorable members would be higher education and training. And as I said, the biggest one was the 8.1 billion um, of the skills development levy holiday, the four-month holiday, but we also identified some of um, the infrastructure programs that can be postponed. Um, this is close to a billion, but we also had to look at some of the is the possibility that we can delay some of the programs within the department. And one that we have identified would be delaying the historically disadvantaged institution development program and also the general generation of academic program and the delay um, will basically cost us about 383 million. But we also identified some of the non-essential goods and services given um, the COVID and also given the slowdown in economic activities. But also the department, we identified were some places where they can delay in filling vacant positions and that amounted to 316. But I think before I continue, Chairperson and Honorable members, what I think is important is that these reductions are only for 2020 and they don't affect um, the 2021 uh, baseline. So the reduction or the delay in filling vacant posts doesn't mean that next year they won't be able to fill those vacant posts. It's just that for this year, given the um, slowdown in economic activity and COVID, this money won't be spent. But it doesn't mean we're going to be reducing their budget because of these um, particular reasons. And we also um, looked at the TVET colleges and we realized that we can um, identify about 155 million. And this mainly comes from delaying the operationalization of new colleges and um, deferring some of the intakes for um, the Center of Specialization program for 2021 academic year. Then we looked at transport honorable members and chairperson where basically the total downward revisions was 11.3 billion, but of that amount, um, 6.7 billion was reallocated to, um, to the Department of Transport. And how we found the net change is basically is that we reduced 
um, the taxi um, uh, recapitalization program or the scrapping out of the taxes. And there we've identified 250 million. But the implication of this, of course, would be that it will reduce the number of taxes that will be scrapped in this year. We also looked at the different grants that exist within the transport department and the 3.7 billion mainly um, will result in delaying some of the um, construction pro project through or that exists within these grants. But we think that the impact won't be as significant because already in June, we're still on level three of lockdown. So the economic activity is still a bit slow. Um, we continue to see understanding in the capital project in, in, in Prasa, Honorable Chairperson, and we've identified that one billion can move from Prasa given the fact that um, we're still seeing some of the slowdown in economic activities. And this is the same as Sunrao because we identified about 1.1 billion where we delay some of the plain construction program. But what is a new allocation in terms of the Department of Transport, Honorable Chairperson and, and Honorable Members, is that there was a 1.135 billion that was allocated to a taxi relief fund. And this was a new allocation because this doesn't exist before. And this money is, um, its purpose is to assist um, the, the taxi industry, given the fact that they can't operate at full capacity and they were also impacted by COVID-19. Um, there were other entities, honorable members and chairperson that were affected by COVID and where their revenues declined considerably. And these are the five um, entities in the transport sector that we have identified. And this will be the money that we're proposing that the committee um, considers favorably so that we can um, save the entities from a full collapse. Because this is not because the entities were not managed, but this mainly was because of the implication of COVID and slow economic activity. Then, honourable members and chairperson, we basically looking at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, where the revisions that we identify is about 3.3 billion, but um, almost 1 billion of that was reallocated to the department, but there's a net change of about 2.4 billion. And this um, is made out of the sus or suspending some of the vacancies where we have identified about 3 million will assist. And then we're also proposing that there will be a scaling down on some of the infrastructure programs because of the restricted economic activities. But we allocated funds for um, the deeds trading account because the entity was basically impacted um, by COVID. So these are some of the areas where the 2.4 billion was identified. Um, the Department of Human Settlement Chairperson, the revision was 5.5, the, the revision was 5.5 billion and 3.2 billion of this was reallocated to the department and the net change that was identified that could be moved from the department is about 2.3 billion and this is mainly um, delaying the planned projects, especially looking at the three grants, which is the Human Settlement Development Grant, the Urban Settlement 
Development Grant as well as the Title Deeds Restoration Grant. But we also have new allocations where we've realized that the pressure is more on the um, social housing and affordable housing, but we also um, have an emergency housing grant. So most of this money was allocated to deal with um, the housing pressures that the department has identified. And honorable members and chairperson, now we're looking at the Department of Basic Education where the revisions that were identified were 7.2 billion, but 5.2 billion of these was reallocated back to the department with the net change of 5.2 billion. And mainly the 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 re, um, the the downward revisions will come from delayed or delays in planned projects and especially for infrastructure grants. But the impact of this, um, honorable members and chairperson, looking at where we are currently, it's going to be there, yes, but the impact won't be as significant because even now um, most of these um, plan project will not be implemented because of um, slow economic activities. We also looked at some of the non-essential goods and services within the department and also we looked at the budget for um, training, especially for math, science and technology as well as life skills education. But as I said, this is mainly for this year and um, these can kick in um, the years going forward. But we also um, allocated money for the school infrastructure grants, but this is mainly uh, because of the 600 million or reinvestment from um, the provinces that they um, given back to the Department of Basic Education. For the Department of Trade and Industry Chairperson and Honorable Members, downward revision was 3.2 billion, but we allocated 500 million of this with a net change of about 1.8 billion. And this is mainly coming from um, suspending of um, incentives for this year, but also we've identified some of the non-essential goods and services um, within the department. But what the department has proposed for the or for the committee for consideration would be a 500 million that they have allocated and um, this is mainly to assist the distressed firms and this will be in the form of a loan. So we are proposing that this be granted but you also have the Department of Minerals, of Mineral Resources and Energy where their net change is about 1.6 billion and basically most of this money comes from um, the reduction in the bulk infrastructure and household connection which is um, referred to as INEP, and from that program we identified 1.5 billion that can be moved to another department. And we're looking at science and technology where the net change is about 1.4 billion and mainly this comes from um, non-essential goods and services in the department but also in their public entities close to a billion but we also think that we can we can we're proposing they can reschedule the construction of the square kilometer array of about 359 million but also um the national integrated cyber infrastructure system where we have identified 200 million but this means they will just have to reschedule um the construction of this in the department of 
tourism, mainly the reductions there is just reprioritization from international and local marketing activities. Um, the department has identified most of this, and I must say it was one department that um, supported the downward revisions because of the pressures that COVID has put in their own um, in their own sector. And then, honourable members and chairperson, this is just the slide that gives. So I'm just going back to the slides I was discussing. I decided that I will present to you um, the net reductions for departments of over 1 billion, but the rest of the departments in the slides are as an annexure within the same presentation. So it's not that we don't think they're significant, but because of the time pressures, we thought, let us focus on the ones that have 1 billion and above as a net, but all the um, information for the departments is in the annexures, even those ones that did not have any reductions. So Chairperson and Honorable Members, these are just the department that received additional funding, and I will quickly go through um, them. So the first one is government communication and information system where they have increased the advertisement of um, COVID and, and um, educational advertisement and, and most of adverts and interviews and so they have been very busy um, communicating uh, on behalf of government this COVID and we realize that they um, um, we realize that they are um, budget is too limited for them to do what they're supposed to be doing. So we're proposing that you favorably consider um, the revision upwards for their for their department of 30 million. Um, we're proposing that the department, the defense department, because they announced that the deployment of troops will be up will, will be up to September, I think, or the next six months. Um, defense will definitely need money to um, to implement that. We're also um, proposing that in the health national health department. Um, an upward revision of 2.9 billion be considered favorably by the committee and this is mainly targeted at um, things such as the COVID-19 lab test, the Cuban doctors that are here to support um, the rest of the sector. Um, the department has been contacting with private hospitals to try and deal with um, the pressures. We also, the department also had to spend money on PPEs as well as thermometers but they also intensified um, their communications campaign and occupational health interventions. So these are um, this really um, we think that the 2.9 billion will sort of be um, sufficient, but we're asking the committee to um, consider this favorably. We're also looking at the police department where the additional or the upward revisions were 3.7 billion. I must um, mention, Chairperson and committee members, that um, most of these departments have done a lot of work in trying to identify some of the money within their baselines that they can um, reprioritize towards this and most of them managed to reprioritize some of the money but um, at some point we realized that with the reprioritization within their baselines will not be sufficient for what they have to or for the work that they have to do so there was no department that was never asked to find 
um, resources within their baselines to try and deal with this. So if you look at some of the, these departments, the initial amount that they requested is less than what we're proposing the committee to consider. And mainly that is because we worked with the departments to find some reprioritization that reduced um, the money that they requested and policies one such department as well as the defense force. Um, honorable members and chairperson, for the National Treasury, the upward revision was 9.3 billion, and this is mainly because of the much higher debt servicing cost, because of the fall in revenue and the cost of borrowing, which is 7.2 billion higher for this year. But um, as you may be aware, the 3 billion was also um, allocated to the National Treasury's budget for the recapitalization of the land bank. Um, we also had to uh, the president announced support to municipalities and the budget for the Department of Cooperative Governance will we're proposing that it must be upwardly revised by 11 billion so that they are able to assist um, the municipalities that are having pressure of revenue because of COVID, but also the Department of Social Development where um, the support for the vulnerable household, we're proposing that um, their budget be revised by or upwardly revised by 25.5 billion. Um, honorable members and chairperson, you might um, ask why 25, not the 50 that was announced by the president initially. So what happened was that when COVID started, which or when the lockdown was announced for the end of March um, 2020, the president announced that to deal with congestion, the um, the social grants for April will be paid much earlier. So in March, we paid half of the social grants. So that meant that the Department of Social Development will overspend in 2019-20 financial year, but it gave them about 15 billion of money that they didn't have in 2020-21. Um, so this 15, this 15 billion, we left it in the Department of Social Development. We didn't take it out. And we adding, this is in addition to um, uh, to the 15 billion. But what we also had to do was we looked at the numbers of intake, the numbers of applications and where we are at the current moment. And when we looked at the numbers, we realized that um, the Department of Social Development will be able to continue um, dispersing the funds as announced by the president, but because of the lower than expected uptake, uh, it meant that they can still achieve the same amounts for qualifying people, but that is not going to cost us um, the 50 billion as we initially estimated, but it's going to cost us around 40 billion. So we continuously work with the Department of Social Development, and if by October we realize that we need to revise the numbers upwards, we will definitely revise um, the numbers upwards. So this allocation doesn't mean if social development's 
runs out of money, then they won't have money to implement. All it means that we estimated that it's going to be 50 billion, but when we look at the numbers and the uptake, we revise down the numbers. But if there's push in the October budget uh, adjustments budget that we increase allocation for social development to achieve the same thing, then certainly we will do that. So this doesn't mean we're changing what the president has announced. This is just more of an estimate given an updated set of numbers. Um, honorable members and chairperson, the other issue that we are bringing into um, your consideration, and we hope that you will be able to consider this favorably for, um, for, for the Minister of Finance, is what we refer to as Section 6 of the Appropriations Act. So basically this section, um, honorable members and chairperson, it enables the Minister of Finance to approve expenditure which cannot reasonably be delayed without negatively affecting service delivery. And this basically ranges between unforeseeable and unavoidable expenditure. And most of this would be announced by the Minister of, of by the Minister of Finance during the uh, February budget speech. So basically what happens um, here is that every time when we have an appropriation bill, there will be this section that allows the Minister of Finance to um, to announce some of the spending that he might um, uh, we might incur, but we're still working on finalizing things or we don't know yet what the cost of this spending is going to be. So basically what we have done is that we did put these um, numbers in the 2020 budget and the provisions basically included what we call a contingency reserve of 5 billion, but also there was another amount there which was um, provisionally of about 7 billion and the reason why you would have amounts that are provisionally allocated is that departments may you may find that departments are still working on costing these um, projects or costing the co uh, the expenditure so it wasn't finalized and in the system you will put it as um, a provisional allocation but what happened this time um, chairperson and honorable members is that most of the times when we put these um, provisional allocation funds the minister has up to October to basically um, distribute the funds. But what we saw this time around is that the Appropriations Act was enacted on the 23rd of June and this new adjustments budget was tabled on the 24th of June, which was the following day. So once we tabled this um, adjustment appropriation to the National Assembly, it meant that it, it supersedes the previous act. So the minister can't really use um, Section 6 anymore. So basically what we're asking the committee is to um, help us adjust the appropriation, the adjustment appropriation bill in such a way that it enables the minister to still use Section 6 so that we can still allocate the contingency reserve and also the um, provisionally allocated funds. Chairperson and honorable members, what we are asking for is not something that is going to change the fiscal framework, is not something that is going to change the division of revenue bill, and it's certainly not what 
um, is going to change the, the adjustments appropriation bill. It's just the clause in the adjustments appropriation bill that will enable the minister to use some of the funds that are provisionally allocated. So it doesn't change um, the content of these bills, but what it does, it, it, it enables the minister um, to use Section 6 to um, allocate funds that were announced in the 2020 budget review. Um, Chairperson, thank you so much. May I just ask my colleague, Dr. Roy Haverman, to quickly take us through um, the credit guarantee scheme. Thank you. Roy? Um, thank you very much, um, Dr. Medici. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. Yes, the um, credit guarantee scheme, as you know, um, was launched as part of um, the President's initiative to provide 500 billion in um, support to um, the economy. The take-up was initially quite slow, so in the first week um, the cumulative um, applications were about 1,800 only and only about 1 1.4 billion in loans were approved. That said, take-up has been rising and by this week seven we've had 35,700 applications received. So far, 8,500 have been approved, totaling 11.7 billion, and the average loan is about 1.4 million. There are still 13,000 applications being considered, um, and of those that did not were not approved, um, nine, just under 10,000 did not meet the bank's risk criteria, and about 3,600 uh, were not eligible. So we were quite concerned um, about the slow take-up of the scheme, and we've had a lot of engagement with different stakeholders, um, the Black Business Council, the, um, a lot of different small um, um, entities and some DFIs even, um, to identify what the reasons were for the slow take-up and to see if we could make changes to the scheme. So if we go to the next slide, um, So let's go on to the next slide, please, Nampo. Thank you. Um, we also had a look at um, if the scheme was being successful in reaching um, particularly smaller businesses. I think there was a lot of concern that larger businesses um, would take up the scheme and that small emerging businesses um, were not able to access the scheme because there was a lot of paperwork involved and there are a lot of issues. So we've done an analysis of, of where the majority of the loans have gone. And you can see, um, Chair and members of the committee, that about 54% of the loans are um, to, to companies with a turnover of one and million and two million. So um, by, that's, the, that's the number of loans, but if you look at the value of loans, about 34% have gone to this band two, which is um, loans uh, turnover between 1 million and 20 million, and a further 22% have gone to firms between 20 million and 50 million. So the majority of loans seem to be going to relatively small firms, and we can see that also by the size of the average loan, which is only 1.4 million. Um, so this is suggests that the scheme is at the moment reaching the target market of small emerging companies. Uh, we are still concerned that obviously um, a lot of the um, loans were rejected. Um, as a result of banks' credit criteria, and we were also quite concerned about the low amount of um, demand for the scheme. So we just go to the following slide. 
Um, these are the sort of the reasons why we have identified why the credit guarantee scheme uh, had a bit of a slow take up. Uh, most interestingly, there was there appears to be quite a low demand for loans right at the moment. Um, most companies have preferred to restructure their existing debt, and this is because the Reserve Bank provided substantial regulatory relief. So they've allowed um, companies to delay interest payments. Um, they've allowed banks have allowed companies um, to pay smaller amounts on interest, um, and there have been a whole range of other initiatives that um, banks have been um, customers have been able to use with their banks, and this is partly because the Reserve Bank provided quite a lot of regulatory relief as part of the 500 billion rand package, and we estimate that actually approximately about 10% of all loans in the country have used one of these um, mechanisms. Um, um, to restructure their debt. There also has been um, a delay because a number of companies, from what we gather, um, have been waiting for further guidance on what's going to happen with the lockdown. And so as we go down the lockdown levels, uh, more and more people have been applying. So if you recall, we actually introduced the product in level five, and lots of companies were just simply not able to open and uh, function at level five. When we went to level four, there were more there were more applications, and now that level three, there are actually even more applications, and that has been one of the reasons why we've actually changed the design to allow for what we call a, a business restart um, 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 option. Then the banks also impose normal credit practices, despite us being in emergency times, and that was particularly at the start of the scheme where they didn't necessarily their systems and stuff weren't ready. A lot of that has changed. There were a lot of concerns about the personal surety requirement and um, small firms often pay salaries as drawings. So if you're a sole proprietor, um, so you basically run a very small company, uh, you don't pay yourself a salary, you pay yourself what you call drawings. And initially drawings were not um, allowed to be used. Um, and so a lot of people did not want to apply for the, um, for the scheme. And the third big reason for the delays has been that uh, there are still quite slow um, turnaround times for approvals. So uh, about 13,000 applications are still under uh, consideration. Uh, the banks have done a lot of work to get their systems up and running, um, but initially all the applications had to be approved manually. And we've made some changes to make it easier for banks um, to make approvals. So if we go into the next slide, um, we've made quite a lot of changes, which will um, a lot of the banks, as you probably saw in the business day today, have already made these changes to the scheme. Um, the this presentation is actually the formal. This and the minister is speaking on the budget vote speech um, in about half an hour, and that's where we'll be formally announcing the changes to the scheme, and uh, we will be putting out details of uh, Q and A and. Um, all the details about it, but importantly, the big change has been that we are allowing business restart loans um, to allow businesses that uh, are able to begin operating as the economy opens up. As I said before, what would happen previously is that firms in level five just simply didn't want to borrow more money. They were very worried about whether or not their businesses um, would be able to operate, um, how they'd be operate and so forth. But obviously, as we've gone down the levels, more and more of the economy has opened up, and actually quite a substantial amount of the economy has opened up, with with the big exception of um, hospitality and uh, travel and tourism. 
Um, then um, the credit assessment criteria of the banks were still very strict in the beginning of the scheme. We've had a long negotiation in terms of trying to make sure that the credit risk assessment that they use is aligned with the emergency spirit and the object of the scheme. So they'll still use reasonable lending practices, but they are now going to be um, better at um, not requiring extensive documentation, um, for example, bank statements and audited financial statements. So one of the issues was actually quite interesting, which is that um, many, about a quarter of the loans um, went to companies that had never borrowed from their banks before. So these were small businesses that had actually got, had quite a good relationship with their bank. They had banked with their bank for a number of years and they had a you know, good cash flow um, and they were actually reasonably successful um, companies, but they had never borrowed from their bank before. Um, and they'd never had the need to borrow from their bank before. You know, you can think of a lot of businesses that operate, you know, cash in, cash out kind of businesses. So for these businesses, when they went to borrow for the first time, there was a lot of paperwork that was required. Um, and so we have changed the paperwork requirements. Then clients can now access the loan over a longer period. Um, you know, lockdown has, has extended quite a lot longer than everybody expected. Um, and so the drawdown period has been extended to a maximum of six months. So let's say, for example, just as use a simple example, um, you borrow a six million rand loan, then you can draw down on that loan over six months at a million rand a month. The interest and capital repayment holiday has been extended, um, and that's also been extended to six, six months. So for example, if you borrowed six million, um, you can draw it down at a million rand a month for six months, as I said, but now payments, repayments are now only due six months after um, your last drawdown. So let's say you start, you took out the loan in January, you've got six months of drawdowns, which takes you to June. You then have another six months uh, of not having to make any repayments. And so your repayments are now only required from the 13th month. And that's actually a year. So, you know, 12 months would take you to December, the 13th month is January. So if you borrowed, if you started to drawdowns in January, February, March, April, May, June, that's six months. Then the next drawdowns are in the next six months, July, August, September, October, November, December. Then you only have to repay the loan in the following, start repaying the loan in the following January. This will hopefully give businesses a lot more flexibility. Then on the following slide, um, the, we've also um, turnover. The turnover requirement was quite a problem, um, and that's because lots of companies um, were struggling to calculate their turnover. Many companies' turnover has fallen quite a lot, and um, some companies, for example, are part of a group, and so then you have very complicated calculations. Also, the time period of the turnover calculation was quite complicated, and now we've said that you can borrow up to 100 million. Um, although, as I said, actually, the take-up has been more around the million rand mark. Um, the test for good standing has made, been made easier. A lot of companies gave feedback to us and said that um, they were already in distress in February of 2010 because the virus was already going around the world and the economy was already in bad shape. And so they were, they, um, were not in good standing then. So we've now made the good standing test a little bit earlier on the 31st of December and given the banks a bit of discretion. And then, as I said, we've explicitly included sole proprietorships. These um, 
are the types of firms that I think are really who we're trying to meet uh, or trying to help is uh, small businesses um, that, that really just want to uh, borrow. But I think it's really important that we expect the take up for the scheme to rise now um, because as we're going down into more and more lockdown, uh, lower levels of the lockdown, you can expect that uh, more businesses um, will want to start opening up and will need money to restart. So, for example, if you take the case of a restaurant that you know previously uh, had to be completely closed and wasn't even allowed to operate, now they um, are allowed to do takeaways and um, uh, so forth. They might need um, a loan to help them buy a motorbike or to refit the kitchen to allow for takeaways. Um, many companies have um, changed their business models. So I've even heard of stories of um, small um, gin distilleries um, that used to make gin and they now make hand sanitizer. Um, and, you know, people are doing that very clever and innovative things um, to try and make money during this very difficult time. And the idea is that they can now borrow from the scheme to do this sort of business restart uh, option. So Chair and Committee members, I think that takes me to the end of uh, my presentation on the changes to the loan guarantee scheme. Mampo? Um, thank you, Chairperson. That's um, us from the National Treasury team. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, uh, 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 Team Treasury. Um, <clears throat> secretaries, do you do you have the names of the oral members who to speak? Yeah. Hello, Chairperson. Yes. On this side. Okay, Lubabalo. Uh, the first member is Honorable Ryder Chair. Okay. Honorable Kaiso. Kaiso. Honorable Sarupen. Sarupen. Uh, uh, let me see. Honorable Joseph. Joseph. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's all for now, Chair. Unless I'm missing the other members, Chair. I think that's all for now. Honorable members, I see Honorable Mlenzana. Oh, Honorable Mlenzana, yes. Honorable Mlenzana is just indicated now. Honorable Ocamp. Honorable Ocamp. Yes, Chair. Uh, Honourable uh, members, uh, Honourable Yunis. Honourable Karim, yes. Any any other oral member? Uh, uh, Honourable Karim is the last member to indicate Chairperson. Maybe we might take this one as the first round. I don't know, but it's your decision to take chair. Now let uh, let me check. Are the honourable members would like to shout at me? I've got Honorable Ryder, Kaiso, Sarupen, Joseph, Lenzana, Okamp, and Dinas Karim. So if perhaps you are not able to get into, into the chat box, is there anybody that we, we would have left out would like to interact? Honorable Chair, thank you. Jadu. Oh, Honorable Jadu, well, well, welcome. Thank um, you, Chair. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm co-chairing with you here. I'm, I'm, I'm on your, in, uh, decided to take your seat. Uh, Honorable Jadu, um, 
Who else? Please shout at me. Any other honorable member? No. Honorable uh, members, um, let's let's see what time we have. Can can we try three minutes, please? Honorable um, Ryder, you you will start. Thanks, Chair. I note that uh, Treasury took four minutes less than than they were given, so I might steal some of their time if that's okay. <laughs> uh, thank you for the presentations. I'll, I'll I'll be quite quick. First question relates to uh, Ms. Modisa, please. Um, I note that uh, between 32 and 46 percent of departments' uh, non-compensation budget uh, is going to be reduced. I think. Look, that's that's a massive chunk, and 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 there's two questions that come out of that. So number one is, what is the cost of that temporary suspension? Because a lot of projects are going to get put on hold, contracts are going to have to be extended. There's there's going to be um, perhaps legal issues around contracts that uh, are not are not adhered to, etc. What's the cost of that? Is the first question. The second question and the real one, the big one, is is that this indicates that zero based budgeting is now. Uh, imperative. Uh, departments are, are having to put 50% of their projects basically on hold. Uh, this makes zero-based budget, should make zero-based budgeting a lot easier because uh, now we can really have a look at that, at what's essential and what is not. Um, can you just give us an update about zero-based budgeting? What, what are the timeframes that Treasury is looking at uh, and, and the expectations in terms of that? That's question one. Question two relates to the fiscal relief that was showed on slide eight. There was a 19.5 billion rand uh, 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 amount that was shown there. I'd like to get more information on that. Um, you know, three, 3 billion for the land bank, is that out of that 19 billion? In addition, is, is this where the minister is going to be uh, tapping into to, to assist SAA? Uh, or, or are there other priorities that are being looked at in terms of this fiscal relief of 19.5 billion? The, the next thing I just wanted to touch on is is, is re relates to the section six comments uh, from Ms. Uh, from Dr. Medisa, sorry, um, relating to 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 giving the minister more powers. I think if there wasn't such a trust deficit uh, uh, with cabinet at the moment, I think we we'd be more open to this. But the reality is that that and the minister's on record saying it himself that that economic principles. Are, are secondary, if if secondary, uh, probably even tertiary uh, things taken into account at the moment for prioritisation of funds and so on. So, so I think, you know, I would be most reluctant to to to, to give uh, uh, the minister powers that he can do things without referring first to parliament, uh, specifically because I think that 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 the, the the wrong guiding forces are currently guiding spending patterns. Moving quickly on to Dr. Roy Haverman's uh, um, presentation, uh, the 10,000 that did not meet the risk criteria initially, will those now be reevaluated now that the criteria are being relaxed slightly is my first question. And then the second question you spoke about, a, lo a lot of people that had never borrowed money before that were now looking to borrow money, they had good cash flows, et cetera, et cetera. Those guys would have been able to access loan funding from the banks anyway. Now the banks are getting guarantees, government guarantees to 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 assist them further. So uh, it seems to me that the banks are being extremely favoured in this regard. And I was wondering if if there was um, pricing for risk. So if 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 the pricing for those advances um, had been adjusted downwards because of the the the, the much reduced risk, not only on those um, those ones where they qualify already, but also across the board 
where government is, is, is providing guarantees. Thank you, Chair. Thank, thank you, Honorable Ryder. Honorable Kaiso. Thank you very much, Chair, and I appreciate for the presentation made by the Treasury. Chair, let me start with this one uh, before one forget, uh, because I think it's very important. Uh, <clears throat> the issue on the Section 6 uh, submission or the request made by the Minister that I think it's very proper that we accede to this uh, adjustment to the bill, adjustment appropriation bill, because I understand it to be uh, already a matter which was actually uh, included from the onset, but uh, due to technicalities not included, I, I, I don't think it should be a problem. It should be something that we we we, we then allow it to to happen because. Look, as we uh, move forward, our main <clears throat> uh, concern is is to provision of service delivery to our to our people. So it will be very uh, a disadvantage for them not to get a service delivery as things unfold uh, moving forward because of we forgot to include something. So I, I think that as as a committee, we we, we should allow uh, the minister to proceed with the request that that uh, amendment should be made to include it as per the request of section six and where i want to go to now uh, is an issue that was mentioned by dr mpo on the postponement on the infrastructure uh, programs unless maybe one is, uh, is being informed exactly which uh, programs are we referring to? Why? It is because infrastructure development actually is at the center of, I mean, the development of the economy. So I just want to know what actually are you referring to? Which programs are you referring to there? So that at least I'm, 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 I'm quite clear uh, what necessitated that move. And on secondly, is on the issue of food security. My understanding is that our population largely, you remember that a large population of our population is un, uh, living under poverty, according to State South Africa. So when, when we talk about food security, I would really uh, ask the Treasury to look into that matter very uh, sensitively because it's one that really affects a sizable portion of our population in the country. Uh, now, uh, let me pause. Uh, I, I think I'm enough now, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Honorable Kaiso. Honorable Sarupen. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chair, let me start with the amendment to Section 6. According to the correspondence received by the committee, the finance minister is asking the committee to amend the bill. Not, it's not a technical amendment, it's a substantive amendment that the committee needs to do. That was the correspondence says. Now, Apologies, Chair. May you please uh, remind Honorable Sarupen to activate his camera? Honorable Sarupen, you know how we do it. We want to see you? Yes, I, I realize that, Chair, but if I turn it on, you know, my bandwidth issues out here is for that you, you won't hear my voice. Okay, okay. My apologies. My apologies okay. for that, Chair. I yes. struggle with that with connectivity where I where I stay. Um Chair, so just with regards to, to section six, um 
as the committee is being asked to make this amendment, and 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 that's fine. But the the slide shows that they're adding an eleven billion, uh, sorry, an, an additional seven billion to the five billion for the contingency reserve. Now that twelve billion looks suspiciously like the amount that SAA needs, and I think we need to get some clarity as to what exactly is the intention of this of this amount. Are the minister is committed to not using any emergency funding. South African Airways, I think it would be morally questionable in the middle of, of a pandemic and a crisis to use that money for South African Airways. So I would really like to get clarity as to what it is that the intention is. In the letter to yourself, Chairperson, the uh, finance minister says that this in the past was used for funding SABC and Denel. And there is a legal opinion that using the contingency reserve for bailouts is not, not, um, is not legal, but it has been, it has been a problem, Chair. So, so this is. I want some clarity on that, and what exactly is the intention of these amounts, and and why it's being increased to twelve billion, um, because that looks suspiciously like the amount that SA needs. Then, with regards to the business credit guarantee schemes and loans, um, Chairperson, I'd like to find out from Treasury what attempts they're making to help small businesses and sole proprietors, and and small black-owned businesses, and many of these firms that cannot afford all of the regulatory compliance that we have in this country around auditing and accounting and so on, they really hurt small business. You'll find that most of their tax affairs are not in order. And as a consequence of their tax affairs not always being in order, they, they probably don't even meet, meet the turnover requirements to, to have too much tax of a tax burden. But they will not be able to access any funding and, and that becomes a problem for them, Chair. So I'd like to know what they're doing with SARS to ensure that these businesses can become tax compliant to access loans as well. That's my contribution today, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Saru Pen. Honorable uh, Joseph. Thank you, um, Chairperson, and thank you to the department for the presentation. I just would like to ask um, the DG said that um, the committee has the power to change the budget of the department. Um, I just wanted to know, uh, and I know in end of uh, February or March, we were briefed on the process. I think I would like to go back to that documents in terms of what is the 10 points requirements to change the, this committee to change the budget. And I'm not sure whatever has happened in whether this committee has ever changed the, the budget as proposed by, by National Treasury, but we will deal with that um, in preparation for the October adjustments. My second point, uh, Chairperson, is the, the the National Treasury said they need to follow the president. Okay, honourable members, are we still uh, muted? Yes, Chairperson, National Treasury said they need to follow the president's announcements. Um, otherwise, the president announcements, um, the stimulus package or relief fund. Um, and I would like to know um, if the president consult with National Treasury. I'm sure uh, the president does and is it the standing procedure. Um, I, I just want clarity, uh, this uh, clarity on that. Uh, Chairperson, there was reference made to the Cuban doctors. Um, I would like to know that amount that um, I think is the upwards amount under the 9.3 billion, because the provinces um, have received all provinces, the doctors, but I, I understood by the previous presentation, the accommodation, the meals, the transport is not covered. So I would like to know this amount that National Treasury referred to now, 
for the Cuban doctors if that money will go to the provinces uh, to cover the, the additional cost or the cost that wasn't initially mentioned up front, uh, if it's for that. Then on slide um, 22, um, I would like to know the three billion uh, recapitalization to the land bank. The land bank is a state-owned entity, so I just want to know if that money is going straight to the land bank or if it goes to the department first and then get channeled to the land bank. I just want on the clarity on that. And then slide 22, um, the 11 billion to municipalities. I would like to know if the National Treasury has the capacity to monitor that money or if they will call in, call in for some assistance like the AG to follow that money, COVID-19 money specifically, so that we should make sure it gets to the right places and is value for money. I share my 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 colleague um, uh, Sarupen's point on slide 23 on section 6, that 5 billion uh, constituency, I reserve funds, I understand it's there, but the 7 billion provision allocation funds, my question is also does, does the minister have in mind between now and October to fund SAA? We, we, it's better to be upfront if it's a no or a yes, that we know where we stand. Um, and then my last point, Chairperson, slide 29. Um, the sectors that was mentioned, uh, that is still closed due to COVID-19, tourism, hospitality and so on. I would like to know what percentage of the market it represents, although the economy is opening up and, 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 and uh, uh, there's progress there, but I would like to know what is the the, the percentage to the market, and then I would like to know if there are if there are interest to be paid on these uh, repayments, um, the, the companies that go to the bank for for guarantees or loans. Would like to know if they have to pay interest back on that money. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you for uh, Joseph. You were serious on injury time, but I know that you have I banged some of your minutes from previous mini, uh, meetings. It's fine. Uh, thank, you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chairperson. Che thank you, Chairperson. Let me welcome the presentation uh, by Team Treasury, uh, led by the Deputy Minister. Chair, let me start uh, where it looks like everybody has to touch on uh, the Section 6 uh, Amendment. Uh, of Act uh, 7 of 2020. Two things here. Yeah. One, I literally refused to be legalistic in approach after receiving this communication uh, in terms of uh, the deleting and addition and all. Uh, all I was interested in were two issues, which fortunately Dr. Mampo addressed. That one, Will all this have financial implications? And she, she responded to that as saying no. Then the other, the other question that I had in mind was, does this have in any way not tempering with the rent and sense of the division of revenue bill? And she also touched on that by saying no. And then, therefore, uh, I had no reason of refusing. But Chairperson, there is a day when one would uh, address this question of individuals or political parties which want to co-run uh, the state together with the ruling party. That one is on its own. So let me quickly go to 
let, let me welcome chair the the upward revision of comparative governance that 11 billion but my my my, my question to 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 the dg and team treasury would uh, is this 11 billion covering the special COVID 19 audit i'm i'm asking this person knowing fully well that uh, this question of a uh, AXA, that is the Auditor General of South Africa, having to set aside time and energy to audit uh, whatever COVID-19 related expenditure will have to be done. It shouldn't be a rhetoric. But I doubt if the Auditor General of South Africa is ready financially to take care of that. Then the, 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 the last two, it's just a question, this one to the DG. My interest on the compensation of employees, I didn't hear them talking about that. Is it covered? Uh, won't we see a bombshell? Uh, then the last one, Chair. This 1.135 billion on taxi relief. What, what, what's the need, Chair? Is it still relevant in the light of uh, the current regulations regarding the taxi industry? I will talk more about this uh, if I have time, but let me just stop there. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Mlenzana. Uh, Honorable uh, Okam. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, Honorable Chair, yeah, on slide 15, I would just like to ask Dr. Modise, we are looking there at CASP, the Comprehensive Agricultural Support Program that's being well it's it's the project of 317 million rand has been suspended and just a further bit down you see that food security the food security program of 611 million rand has also been suspended i think we need to really uh, look at why that happened we are sitting in a time where we know that 50 50 percent of the people in our country are going to experience some sort of food shortage and maybe it is going to be wise to look into enabling people in South Africa to provide food for themselves, especially if you look at CASP and especially if you look at the whole issue surrounding uh, food security. I agree there with uh, the Honorable Kwai. So we need to look at that. People need to be able to uh, provide food for themselves. And at this stage, this is a real, real concern, especially in the... Uh, looking at the fact that we do not know when this pandemic will end uh, and we do not know how it will in the future negatively still effect, uh, have an effect on the lives of people. Honorable Chairperson, regarding slide 21, it's, it's just a big concern that defense's budget is up with 2.9 billion, exactly the same as health. Now, we, we know that the defense budget is up due to the deployment of 70-odd uh, thousand soldiers onto our streets. But isn't that a distrust in the people of South Africa that we need to police them or need to have soldiers out there to see that they are adhering to all these COVID requirements, whereas those monies could have much better been applied at the health level to ensure that we save lives and that we start to trust our people. Then... Honorable Chairperson, on slide 22, it just brings me back to what uh, Dr. Mampo Mudisi told us when she spoke to us, I think it was early in June. Uh, her opening statement started with the words, we are in trouble. 
Now, if you look at 7.2 billion rand for additional uh, debt service costs, it's higher with 7.2 billion rand. And that brings us to why we can't have money injected in much uh, serious matters, such as food security, such as our health. Because of the fact that we have done things wrong in the past, we are now paying the price for additional costs on our debt, and we need to look at that. I want to also add on to what the Honorable Sarupin has said with SAA. It does look uh, very suspicious, and we need to get those answers straight and direct so that we know what's going on and that we can prevent this. I, I do not believe that contingency reserves can be used for bailouts, and we must, as a government and as a committee, we must make that clear to everybody out there. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Ocam. Uh, Honorable uh, Karim. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Firstly, uh, our research unit has done a report. In fact, there's three different uh, permutations of it. It was sent to us at uh, 12 minutes past 10. At least that's when I got it, and I think the Select Committee did. Uh, I think, Chairperson, with the permission of the majority in the committee, we should require National Treasury to respond when they do next week not just to what the public has said, but also what our researchers have said, because they've highlighted a whole lot of issues and questions that the committee should raise with Treasury. And we don't get the time often to do that, and it's difficult when you get it at 12 minutes past 10, though you know, I understand the pressures they're under. So I think they should reply to those issues because the poor parliamentary research unit advisors spend many hours and then you know the report gets glossed over. Secondly, everybody from the far left to the far right, far left to the far right, and, uh, no, you know, no less a personage than the former editor of Business uh, Financial Times. Uh, business, what is it? Business uh, Financial Mail, sorry, said the other day that infrastructure is the key to our economic recovery. It's always been there as that, but it's even more the case now. So the question we keep asking is, yes, yes, we understand the difficulties. Who can tell what's right in this age of uncertainty, this age of volatility, right? So... You know, it's not like sitting there, sitting here, holier than thou. I don't really know, Comrade Chair, what the answers are and who does. But surely, uh, Treasury should give us a better explanation for why key aspects of infrastructure have been foregone when they're so crucial to economic recovery and job creation. So perhaps, you know, up to now, the third time I'm bringing this question in some form or another, Kaiso brought it up right now. Can they give us a clear answer, Chairperson? What is it? What organizing principle or value do they use in deciding on the trade-offs, which are difficult, as I stress? Then the issue of even economic stimulus. Yes, yes, I understand. We all do, I'm sure, to differing degrees. They had to give money to health, education, SADF, and, and police, and so on. Uh, they took away money from agriculture, for example, though the good thing is $3 billion go to the land bank. So, you know, again and again, it's, 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 actually, it's not just service delivery, it's economic stimulation and job creation that's an issue. Difficult as it is, then on BIG, basic income grant. In the fiscal framework, we say taking into account something to the effect, taking into account the budget constraints, national trade should consider making a BIG permanent. Now, it was couched in diplomatic language, but the effect of it is the ANC at least supports that. And I think, you know, the PBO, uh, somebody just alerted me to that in an exchange, actually. Uh, uh, the PBO should look into this, Comrade Chair, in preparation for the adjustments budget in October. Is it feasible from the side of Parliament? What do we think and so on? Then um, 
on the issue of uh, the loan guarantee scheme, well, there seems to be some progress. Though, interestingly, Kosato and the uh, DA yesterday, your know, chairperson, wrote to us to ask for a fuller account of this. Now, you know, from what Roy is saying, it seems progress has been made, but I'm, diff- I'm not able to tell at this stage how much of that. Perhaps Kosato will respond to that and whoever wants to tomorrow, and then they can come back to us on Tuesday, because, chairperson, I'm not very clear. Uh, though it does seem to be progress, how much of that is uh, enough, in other words. Uh, then on the Section 6 matter, it's simple. If the legislation allows for it, which we've passed, we have to accept it. If the legislation doesn't allow for it, the Legal Services Unit will say Section 6 can't be introduced in this form. Uh, finally, you know, I, I understand uh, uh, Mr. Outcome's reservations about money going to the SADF. I understand that. It makes a lot of sense when you've got other pressing considerations. But, Chairperson, we should also be a bit careful about what we're saying here. Nobody supports the SADF and police abuses. Nobody is saying people are not to be trusted. But it's a class issue, which takes a racial form mostly, as you know, Chairperson, which is that it's easier for us middle classes, whoever we are, either black or white, our skins are, who can manage a lockdown. If you're an info, living in an informal settlement or you are 10 people in a house, how do you observe the lockdown? So it's managing the process, which is why I think the SADF has a role, not the role that some of them are playing. None of us endorses that. Finally, it's tiresome, Chairperson. Maybe one day we need a education on this. All over the world, in the established democracies, no least in the U.S., ministers squabble about budgets allocated to each other. The divisions are inevitable in a democracy. There's nothing wrong with it. Perhaps we have too many of it. But it's not as if the government doesn't operate with some degree of cohesion. It's not as if ministers have their own say. Ultimately, the president accounts for the budget. Maybe we need to educate our members so we don't get this bleating like sheep that actually look at all the divisions and they are misguided. What guiding? The wrong people are guiding. What wrong people? Ultimately, despite the divisions, there's one minister of treasury and there's one president who ultimately accounts for the budget. I think we need a discussion on how budgets are handled all over the world, not least within the Republican Party, uh, with all its myriad divisions. Right now, it's the party that the DA, for the most part, not all of them, identifies with, even if they don't like uh, Donald Trump. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, uh, Honorable uh, uh, Karim. I've just written to you, and I'll start with Honorable Ryder. I, I said uh, I, I, I would like to give you a minute if you still have something pending that would like to, to ask National Treasury. Honorable Ryder. Chair, I'm, I'm too busy laughing at Mr. Karim's assertions, but no, I, I just wanted to agree with Mr. Karim and, 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 and underline what he said about uh, Treasury responding as well to the research document. I think it was a very valuable input. Chair, and, and I'm largely covered beyond that. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Kaiso. Thank you, Chair. I, I think I'm, uh, I've covered what I wanted to, but just only want to stress on this issue of uh, small, medium uh, 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 business enterprises. Through The call is to let us make sure that now there is a complete support for the small business uh, development uh, enterprises because now our small emerging uh, business and, and 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 yeah they need a lot of you know assistance during this difficult time so i i, I just want to believe that we the treasury would make sure that now uh, those people are covered uh, the small uh, business development enterprises very 
very much important because I think it is a backbone of the poor uh, uh, people's economy that that, that, that would suffer during this period. So we must make sure that now they are, uh, during this adjustment process, uh, they are well covered. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, Honorable Sarupen. Honorable Sarupen. Okay. Um, Sorry, Chair, my system wasn't unmuting. I'm perfectly happy. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Sarupen. Honorable Joseph. Uh, thank you, Chairperson, for the next opportunity. I just want clarity on the short-term uh, relief grants which Minister Zulu has announced uh, on TV that the uh, uh, party uh, ANC is considering it. I would just would like to know from Treasury if they've been approached officially um, and uh, what is their view on that um, uh, proposal at the moment, which is still in the media. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thanks, Chairperson. Just one thing, Chairperson. Perhaps it will just to, you know, uh, clear the cloud for the South African uh, listeners, lest people get confused. Uh, how far is this budget going, uh, DG? Because we are now dealing with this budget, which is an, uh, some kind of an emergency arrangement. Then we're getting to October, where there will be the medium term budget uh, statement. If, if that could be clarified, uh, lest we mismatch the issues. I, I listened to some of my colleagues, the men in which they are debating the person. Dan, Honorable Okam. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, two quick things. The first one is that uh, seeing that the Honorable Karim is appropriating or is just judging on which political parties we are supporting, I think we must be aware of the fact that uh, he is supporting guys like uh, Kim Jong-un from North Korea, and we must be very wary of that. Tongue in the cheek there, Honorable Karim. Oh, yeah, absolutely not true. He's a star <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to find out from Treasury what communication channels there are between Treasury and the provinces. The reason why I'm asking that is when we dealt with the appropriation budget that we have just discussed yesterday again. It is clear that on the negotiating mandate that came from quite a lot of provinces, that the whole issue with regards to the drought is an extreme uh, problem for them and is one high on the agenda. But if you look at what's going on in the budget, it doesn't seem that it has been uh, addressed by Treasury and, and by government to alleviate the problems that the provinces have. It is clear that the provinces have got the, that problem. They have voiced that problem, but still nothing is being done. Does National Treasury think that there's enough communication on all levels with special regard with this? That will obviously come back to the point that I made earlier on with regard to food security. If we can have more uh, help for our farmers and farming communities, our upcoming farmers, we will have a better, bigger, a better amount of food security in our country. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Um, Honorable Karemia, are, are you coming in? No? 
no, I, I really liked Mr. Willie Arkham's retort, uh, but beyond that, no, I don't have anything to say. Uh, you, uh, you remember uh, when uh, former President Comrade Nelson Mandela was having that uh, interview in New York with uh, that journalist, uh, when when Madiba said, have I paralyzed you, Mr. What oh, was yes, this? yes, that was in 92, I think, yeah. yeah. Have yeah. I paralyzed you? And because the journalist says, to, it looks like uh, Honorable Karim, uh, Honorable Ocamp has just paralyzed you. Can we oh, then? Yeah, yeah. Once <laughs> and never again. <laughs> um, Honorable Njatu, I, 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 I did um, um, communicate your, your, your frustrations about connectivity. Uh, when you were trying, we were trying to, we're supposed to be chairing together, but Honorable Jadu has just uh, 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 joined us, and can I allow him to interact with the present, with the, with the presentation? Uh, Honorable Jadu, please come in. No, no chair. I, I think I, I, I understood you to say that uh, you gonna give me if there's necessary. So I'm fine. Are you good? If I have to continue, it's also all right. Okay. Thank, 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 thank you so much. Can I? Then uh, 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 coming uh, again. Let me thank uh, uh, Team Treasury for uh, their presentation, a professional one, as 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 always. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Doctor Mampo, uh, and 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 your team. Um, let, let me start by saying the. Most of the time, the, the problem that we have, uh, we are in appropriations and we're always looking at the expenditure side of the budget. But as you know, that the, <clears throat> the budget will always have got the, the, the income and the, the expenditure side. We spend little time on, on expenditure. The, the, the problem that the country is facing is economic growth, which will then translate to a number of other things including better revenues and including better employment opportunities and so on and so forth. <clears throat> now, in our interactions with the departments, we made this observation at Dr. Mambo that we're spending so much money in, 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 in the departments. But the problem is that some of the departments don't look at themselves as having the responsibility to grow the economy. They are looking at certain departments. From where we are seated, every department, everybody has got that responsibility. For instance, if you if if you take um, <clears throat> let, let me just quote what uh, when we raised this this issue with the Minister of Health, where we're saying that we continue importing a lot of these things, and and we all know that everything that we we, we import when it comes to to the GDP, it impacts uh, the GDP uh, 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 negatively. Uh, it impacts our 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 uh, <clears throat> our, our foreign reserves. Uh, we, that's also equal to exporting jobs. He said, using all this money, why are we still importing so much uh, uh, from countries like China and India and so on and so forth, building other economies, so to speak? That's 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 one. Again, we also notice uh, we made a point dealing with the Department of Education that so much of the stationery, the things that uh, we use. We still import them, and definitely those things uh, uh, do not uh, uh, help our economies. And then we are saying that's an area again. 
But one of the things which came up is that uh, some of our of our laws and legislation make it difficult for them to to create an environment where we can uh, localize our production. And 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 we responded by saying, well, it is this parliament that makes laws, and uh, <clears throat> I think the 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 challenge to national treasure is to identify those laws which make it difficult for uh, uh, for others to stimulate the economy. We can't always be importing uh, 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 these things. Uh, <clears throat> it, it, they have got negative impact on a number of things that we are trying to do. So I'm just saying the conversation as to how we deal with growth, I think we have been very thin and would like that uh, the, the executive uh, deal with that. And if there are things that us as legislature, uh, as, uh, we need to, as legislators we need to do, let them be brought to us. Because I think if there's one thing that uh, we were in agreement, whether you support the president of North Korea or, 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 or Trump, is that this country needs economic growth and we need to keep the resources within the country as much as possible. So I think uh, this is just a challenge. If there are uh, <clears throat> legislations which uh, impede that, let's also know about them and let, let them be brought to parliament because that's what we heard from the departments who, who are our biggest consumers of, of, of our budget. I, I thought, let me uh, preface my, 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 my input to that. And then let, let me rush to uh, 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 section, section six. Uh, in the in the appropriations uh, <clears throat> act, um, this section six thing was there, and uh, nobody had a, 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 a problem with it. So when it was brought to 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 my attention, I I ask a few uh, uh, questions. One, how does it impact on the on the fiscal framework? I said no, no, it doesn't. The numbers are already there. Uh, two. How does it impact on the division of revenue bill, uh, amendment bill? No, it doesn't. The numbers are still there. And how does it impact on the on the bill that we are busy with? As far as the rhymes and sense are concerned, it doesn't. The numbers are, are, are already there. Um, <clears throat> so the 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 the, the political uh, uh, debates that comrade uh, that our uh, members are, are raising, well, they are political debates. But when I listened to uh, to, to Mampo, she said, they are still working with the departments on a number of, 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 of things as to exactly where will that money end up going to. So I think uh, it would really be presumptuous of us again for her having said that they are still working out as to where this thing money is going to go to, to say she must tell us, whereas she said in her, in, in her principal uh, address that they are still working on, 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 on the areas that this money may end up going to. What COVID-19 has done is brought a lot of, un, un, of, of unforeseen uh, things. <clears throat> Nobody knew for certain that we will we'll have to make such big adjustments uh, uh, soon after we pass the appropriations bill. So to uh, to ask her, when she may they may respond, but when I heard her, she said they are still working with the departments as to where exactly this uh, uh, <clears throat> money will go to. Having said that, having said that um, can I just check the, the the taxi uh, what scrapping program is it still there? How successful is it? Because I can see we're still busy with it. I haven't heard a lot about it. Um, I think I I I really would like to 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 join the other members who, who spoke about the reduction of 2.4 billion rand uh, in in agriculture. 
food. In fact, I think there are statistics which have just come out uh, recently, which are showing that uh, levels of hunger are just increasing in our country. So it seems to be uh, <clears throat> uh, working against that. Instead of us take, getting money uh, to go there, we were decreasing. I think I'll, I'll definitely be challenging a national treasurer and government to work on this one. When we uh, when we come back with MTBS, I think we, they need definitely need to correct this one. It's 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 uh, <clears throat> you can't have a, a, a country which is say is complaining of of hunger, uh, threatening food security in the whole country, and then we are decreasing. We have also had farmers uh, in, in general, both commercial farmers, emerging farmers, talking about the support that they need from government. I think one thing that we can't we can't afford is for a country which can't feed itself. We may. We, we <clears throat> We may be lacking on many other things, but as far as us feed, having to feed our people and feeding ourselves, I, do, I don't think it's a, it's a, <clears throat> a luxury that we, we can have. So national treasury, I think we, we definitely need to re, to relook at, at relook at that. Uh, Mr. Haverman, can you please share with uh, uh, the committees the salient features of uh, the credit guarantee scheme? What exactly? Uh, you, you spoke about how it's what, how, what it has done and so on, but can you please uh, uh, um, <clears throat> just share with the committee again the certain features of, of the credit guarantee, credit guarantee scheme. Uh, with that, um, for whatever reasons that uh, has, uh, have been shared with us, it's very clear that the uptake on the credit guarantee scheme has been very slow. Um, we have argued before that why don't we use other agencies, for instance, I spoke about some of the DFIs, uh, Tampo, and some of the provincial uh, uh, development institutions to, to be given a portion of, of, of this uh, credit guarantee scheme so that they also they are also being able. For instance, one of the things which is happening, there are so many of these, take, of these repayment holidays, but you find that the DFIs, people are getting the money from the, from the DFIs, people are getting money from the development uh, uh, agencies, which are owned by government. They don't have this facility, so why don't we take a portion of it? Added to that, how much exactly is, is, is this credit guarantee scheme? I'll tell you, since I've started, we started with this process of appropriations, I've had 100 billion rents, I've had a 200 billion rent, I've had again a possibility of a 300 billion rent. Can we uh, 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 be taken on, on board exactly as to how much is, 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 is the scheme? <clears throat> Um, honourable members, I think I would I would leave it at that and allow uh, 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 Dr. Mampo uh, and the team. The time is uh, it's 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 quarter past two uh, to go, and um, uh, you have got all the chance to be as um, extensive, not necessarily verbose and necessarily, but to give us as much information as possible on the questions that the honourable members have have asked, Dr. Mampo. Thank you so much, Chairperson. I'm waiting for my DG because he said he wanted to respond first. I'm DG Mukhajani, please respond. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mudise. Uh, good afternoon, members. Good afternoon, Chair. Chair, I, I will just talk to three, four so, sorry, different points. Sorry, DG. Sorry, DG. You, you, you have been too quiet and sort of uh, uh, 
pre-1994 underground. So uh, you, are, you, are well, you are welcome, please come in. No, thank you. Thank you very much, Chair. And good afternoon, members of parliament, the committee. There, there are four points I'm going to mention. Uh, I'll start with a question, where is the budget going? I think this, honourable members, is, a, is as we say, is a supplementary budget. We are basically supplementing what we said in February, mainly because of uh, the impact and, uh, that COVID-19 brings uh, to, our, to our space. So we, 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 and we said in the budget documentation that it's a bridge that we are creating towards uh, the, sub, uh, the October budget, the medium-term budget policy statement. So it should be seen as a context. It's not in its entirety uh, comp uh, in, uh, in a full in terms of what it's attempting to do. It's simply just adding on and subtracting and reprioritizing on what some of the things that we said in February should be seen in that context. Number two, I think on the channels of communication, if there's one um, uh, intergovernmental system that's functioning effectively in our, in our space in, in the country currently, is a whole team finance uh, arrangement. We engage with provinces on an ongoing basis. We've got structured discussions and structured meetings at the technical committee of finance level, uh, the national treasury and nine provincial the heads of treasuries. And also we've got a very effective uh, budget council that's functioning. And as you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a body, the budget forum and budget council. These are bodies that are established in terms of the Intergovernmental Fiscal Relations Act of 1997. So we are forced to engage, we are forced to talk on an ongoing on intergovernmental uh, fiscal matters. So uh, we, we, do, we, do share, we do share a whole lot of discussion, uh, issues with provinces. Number three, Chair, in budgeting, um, there's a natural contradiction that is always there and that will always be there, which is on one hand, the ability to spend by spending agencies, and on one hand, the allocations that are or that should be made towards some spending items. So there's always that contradiction that we will allocate, but you find that the ability to spend is not there effectively. So as a result, we then are forced one way or the other to look the other way when departments ask or agencies ask for more requests to spend, but then in some cases we reduce where spending is not been, hasn't been finalized or spending programs uh, has not, have not been finalized. And that's why, and I'm not defending the, 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 the reduction of the uh, 2.4 billion. All I'm saying from agriculture, all I'm saying is that at a given point in time, you will find that irrespective of the need that we all are aware of, we will find that maybe there's a need where the, 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 the capacity to spend is not there or the ability. So as a result, you are able to then take from one spending agency and give the other spending agency that is proving. But it's always not always a, a very clean and clear process because that natural contradiction in budgeting is always there. Number four, which is the last that I'll comment on, Chair, is, is the SAA. SAA... Um, in the at the time of the budget, at the time of the budget, we did indicate that we are putting aside 16.4 billion rand to pay uh, uh, lenders or uh, guaranteed debt, SAA debt, uh, etc. So, and that's the only allocation that we've made available in this current financial year, including what we said at the supplementary budget. There's no other funding set aside apart from the 16.4 billion. What we are then doing now, 
is essentially, and we did say this, by the way, Chair, at the time of, of, the, of the budget, if you, if, if, and I want to quote uh, page, uh, page 62 of the budget review for honorable members to understand what we were saying. Uh, in page 62 of the budget review 2020, we said, and we're talking there provisional allocations. Provisional allocations are only confirmed once certain requirements have been met. In addition to provisional allocations to ESCOM, the 2020 budget includes provisional allocations of 7 billion in 2021, 1.9 billion in 2021-22, and 3.6 in 2022-23. These allocations are mainly for financial support to South African Airways and road asset management for secondary and strategic road network. It does not mean, Chair, that these are over and above as you indicated, Chair, in your intervention earlier. The fiscal framework with the request of the Section 6 request that you're making, the fiscal framework is not increased. The fiscal framework and, and what we have provided for, uh, the, the deficit does not increase. It's the same deficit that we outlined at the time of the supplementary budget. So the allocations uh, that we are talking about here essentially is to ensure that we pay part of that 16.4 billion that is applicable to 2021 financial year. You will recall, Chair, and this is my last point on the same matter, that there was a time in December, January, December, when we requested um, you know, allocations towards SAA, and we went to the DBSA, we got 3.5 billion rent. We also went to a lenders, we requested 2 billion rent at the time, and over and above that, there was, and there's always been a 3.8 billion in year one, 2021, to repay debt. So if you combine all of that, there's the allocations and resources that we need to pay towards guaranteed debt, not to bail out SAA in any way that honorable members were suggesting now, but only to say that confirming that the 16.4 billion is the allocations that's made available uh, at the time of the budget and it's the same amount. So we are not in any way saying any other thing that is as a result of what we said in the budget. And the request then is to change the Appropriation Act of 2020 that's already passed. It's not a bill, as one of the honorable members was saying. It is an act that is already passed, and that's why we are requesting that it be uh, you know, changed to actually make provision for this request that you are presenting to. Thank you, Chair. I'll give it over back to Mampo. Thank you, DG. Dr. Mampo? Um, thank you, Chairperson. Um, thank you, DG. Just responding to some of the questions that I got. So the first question I want to respond to would be on slide five. So just to clarify, um, the 42% of non-compensation budget in the 46 was just an indication of if we exclude these departments and we don't touch them, how much would we need to get to the 100 billion? So we didn't reduce the budgets of the rest of the department and um, their non-compensation budget by 46 what we were trying to show honorable members with slide five is basically that the way our budget is so not flexible, basically to find 100 billion if you exclude departments becomes even um, a much greater um, stress to, to deal with. Um, and then a question on the ZPP and the time frames, the zero-based budgeting. What we are currently working on now is to work on a 
um, a framework that we will present to the minister and cabinet. So this is still just the framework of basically what do we do between now and getting to a space where there's zero-based budgeting. What is it? How long will it take for us to implement? How do we see this being implemented? I mean, it was announced by the minister and approved by cabinet, but um, the conversations that um, we've been having with parliament, it was very clear that parliament would like to see this proposal before it is even implemented. So what we are currently doing now is trying to look at how do we implement this ZBB? Is it possible for us to consider um, looking at spending reviews to implement this? How long will it take? What are the cost implications? So um, honorable members and, and um, chairperson, what we are working on now as um, government is more of how can we um, design a concept note that can be used as a guideline to implement this. We have asked um, GTEC to assist us in um, putting together this concept note, but this is still something that we will present um, to Cabinet for, for endorsement and the Minister will guide us on that. But this is what we're still working on. Um, I think the DG has resolved the issue of the 19 billion, but on page nine of the special bill, basically what of the supplementary budget, what we say there is that precisely because we don't know how long this pandemic is going to last and we don't know the cost pressures yet, um, we it would be un it would be unwise for Treasury not to have a buffer that we can use um, to deal with COVID. So the 19 billion is set aside precisely because there will be additional pressures, whether in terms of spending, whether in terms of job creation or preservation, we'll still use that money for that. And it's really clear um, on page nine on how we deal with that. I think the DG has resolved most of the questions on um, the section six, but all I wanted to say here is that I know the DG has resolved all of that. Um, so, um, honourable members, when I mentioned that um, the president announced that we're going to reprioritize 130 billion, basically everything that we have done as the treasury and as the department we presented it at um, cabinet the amendments that we were asked to look at but what we are presenting to you it is not a treasury budget but rather this is the um, budget that has been approved by the executive so this was endorsed by cabinet so i mean we, we work with the departments, we run a process with the departments, we present to cabinet and then cabinet endorses it. So um, there's no a different communication between the, pre the treasury and treasure, um, the president and treasury and cabinet. This is a cabinet budget that we're presenting. It's just that the minister of finance has the responsibility to present um, the budget to parliament and to the nation. Another one, um, it was the question on how the money flows to the land bank. Because the land bank reports to the national treasury, the three billion will be in the vote of the national treasury, and the treasury will then um, 
um, transfer those funds when the appropriation bill has been approved. Only then they can transfer the fund. But the land bank doesn't get its own line item from the national revenue. It's 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 the same with all entities, honourable members. Even the money that was allocated to ESCOM through the special bill, it was allocated to the department because the minister and the DG of the department remain the accountable officers of that money that um, has been allocated. I agree, Chairperson, um, that we will respond in detail to the um, report that was um, prepared by your researchers, and we will submit that with the um, with the rest of the with the rest of the of the documentation. I'll ask Ulrika to respond on some of the um, transport questions. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you, Mambo. Um, good afternoon, Chairperson and Honourable Members. So I'm going to answer questions related to some of the infrastructure um, and then on the local government, 11 billion rand. So just to answer the second part of Honourable Ryder's question um, that Dr. Mudisa didn't deal with in relation to the cost of temporary suspensions. Um, so in relation to goods and services, a large chunk of the suspension is really um, as a result of the lockdown would have been expenditures that we that planned to happen that would not have happened. And that similarly would then apply for in the infrastructure space that with the hard lockdown in level five with no construction activity taking place, um, CapEx programs would then have started later, which means there is a, everything is then gets pushed back by a month or two later. And then by the and given the, the nature of the accounting um, in the national and provincial budgets, it created then space for us to then predict some kind of under expenditure on the budgets given the delay in the start of construction at the beginning of the year. Um, so, so the cost of those temporary expense, uh, suspensions, at least in the short term, is negligible. Where they do have a significant impact would then be um, if, if this delays or the temporary suspensions are then um, are, are shifted into the medium term. And then what you really get with that is um, pushing infrastructure to later. So the cost of those suspensions then impact on contracts that run over time. It impacts on, 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 on salaries um, and of, of workers who have been idle. Um, but more importantly, I think that the long-term economic impact is that when you do delay maintenance or when you do delay CapEx programs in this way, um, they do become expensive um, later. And, and that's the trade-off that you're really making here is that, so for example, in roads, is if we delay road maintenance by one to three years, the cost of, um, of, of, of fixing the road back to the initial standards would then be three to five times more expensive than what it was initially planned. Um, then this links also to Honorable Paiso's question um, on, on which programs do we refer to when we talk about the infrastructure that's being delayed. Um, so specifically on, on vote 40, which is transport, it was the Provincial Roads Maintenance Grant um, and the, the Public Transport Network Grant. We also have some suspensions um, for, for PRASA. Um, this is partly related to PRASA sitting on large cash balances on its on its capital budget. Um, so members of the Standing Committee on Appropriations will remember when we, when we came um, with the fourth quarter expenditure of departments um, and the third quarter expenditure of public entities, um, we showed that Prasa was still sitting on significantly large cash balances as a result of failure to execute its its capital program as planned. So, so we don't think a, a, a reduction on the Prasa budget would then reduce or on the, would reduce any of the outcomes of the planned capex programs that they have going forward. 
Um, so, and similarly, I mean, so what's happening with, with on provincial roads and national roads is really just a delay in the construction program um, due to um, economic activity that was limited. And then in relation to the 11 billion rand for local government um, that uh, we've had from Honorable Josephs. Um, so, so are we able to follow the money? So the money flows through the local government equitable share. And as you know, the local government equitable share is an unconditional grant allocation to, to municipalities. Um, and and when, if these things are going to be audited, which was um, Honorable Okam's question, um, this is, yes, it has to be audited. Um, and, um, and, the, and the Auditor General has full capacity to audit this in the normal line of sight. So this is all appropriated money, um, sits within the mandate of the Auditor General um, to, audit, to, to audit that. Um, I think that's all from me. Thank you. Oh, no, there is still one more on the taxi scrapping program that um, chairpersons asked about. Um, so the, 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 the taxi recapitalization program is a relatively small program in the, in the transport budget. This year it's about a, um, so, so pre the adjustment that we are proposing here um, is about a 450 million rand program um, that largely underspends and underperforms. And this is um, partly because the, the program is a is a is a, is, is demand based, so you have to you need to get applications in um, from from taxi operators, and and the second is and the, um, is that the the adjustments on the on the on the recap on the scrapping allowance um, hasn't necessarily changed to meet market expectations that would make it that justifies. For, for the for, for taxi operators to then come into the program, the Department of Transport has reviewed the the the, the, the taxi recap <laughs> program, and um, as a result of that, has made some proposals on on adjustments to the scrapping allowance that would make it more market related, and then bring more more industry players into this into the program. Thanks. Um. Good afternoon, uh, Honourable Chepos and members. I think on health and social development, there were just two very uh, brief questions. Um, the first was whether um, the 283 million for Cuban doctors is going to the provinces. Uh, so yes, that uh, entire amount goes to provinces um, as part of the new COVID conditional grant or grant component. In fact, the full 2.9 billion additional allocation uh, to health uh, goes to provinces through that grant. Um, and that new grant is uh, created at a value of three and a half billion. So that's for boosting healthcare for COVID in the provinces or across a range of interventions. Uh, then just the other question on social development was, has um, the social development department approached the treasury yet on what might happen after the short-term relief grants in October. Um, so no, they have not approached the Treasury yet. There have been no discussions to date with the Treasury on that. Uh, thank you, Mampo. I think those are the chairperson. Those are the only questions I think of um, pertaining to, to these sectors. Thank you. Mampo. Mampo. Thanks, Chair. Uh, good afternoon, uh, honorable members. I'm Randani. I will only address um, one question uh, in relation to an allocation made to the Defense Force. Um, we must remember that um, the regulation provides for the uh, mobilization or release of all the resources within the National Defense Force, uh, some of which 
uh, its medical services through uh, military health services. And in addition to that, uh, we must also remember that um, we also have um, engineers within the National Defense Force. So the support to the police, um, if members of the public were complying with the regulation, the support to the police was going to be far less. But um, there are also these other uh, capabilities within the National Defense Force. Like for instance, at the moment, there are some water purification projects uh, that are happening. Uh, the deployment of the uh, doctors and the nurses within um, um, the provinces. They've already started uh, in the Eastern Cape and they are ready to be deployed all over um, the country. So um, I agree, um, if we were complying with the, with the uh, lockdown regulation, the allocation to defense force would have been uh, far less, especially that part that supported the police. But again, we're also stepping up um, the, uh, safe, um, the border safeguarding. Um, at the moment, um, we're expected to be in all the borders. Um, so that's the area of which, that's, that's another area that they're stepping up. Uh, but um, I agree, but if we're, if we're complying with the regulations, the support uh, to the police was going to be far less than the allocation made. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Dr. Randela. On the tourism, the, the contribution to GDP prior to the crisis, it was around 8%. The tourism sector was contributing around 8%, but you're anticipating that percentage to come down when the next set of numbers are released because mainly the restrictions that were imposed by the lockdown, you know, there were no activities. So we're likely to see, you know, the, the falling of the contribution to GDP overall. So on the issue of agriculture, you know, the reductions, the, the reduction of 2.4 billion. We understand that uh, that is a huge reduction, but our thinking was that given the lockdown, there are likely to be, you know, limited economic activity. And also, if you look at some of the cuts, you know, in the programs, they were mainly related to the infrastructure component of it. For instance, the agricultural um, colleges, the maintenance and so forth. So because we understood that during lockdown, there were not going to be any maintenance done. Hence, you know, you saw, you know, a, a, a very increase or a big number in terms of the reduction. But, you know, going forward, we take note of your request to say that we need to prioritize food security. And then in the next round of the MTEC discussions, uh, I believe that agriculture also being, you know, you know, key to economic growth and recovery will be, you know, prioritized so as small business. And we also agree that small business through the guarantee scheme needs to be prioritized. And we took note of the Minister of Small Business yesterday to say that, you know, they're in short of 52 billion and that they can use the guarantee scheme, you know, to tap and get that, you know, funding that is needed to assist the small, medium-sized businesses. Thank you. Dr. Mampo, any other person? DG? Uh, thank um, you, yes. Okay. Sorry, Chairperson, yes, I still have several. Oh, okay. Let them come in. Ta, 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 ta. Well, we're in your hands, so uh, can, can the team treasurer come in immediately? Somebody finishes coming so that we, 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 we save on time. 
Chair, there was a question about the big basic income grant. I don't know if Mark, it's a discussion, it remains a discussion, and it has not formally come through our process and systems. Um, and, and obviously, we'll interact with that as soon as it comes through the budget process. But currently, it is discussions uh, like any other, many other policy discussions that are taking place in the country and within cabinet, within, I'm sorry, within, within various political formations, et cetera, et cetera. So as soon as that comes to our pro through our processes, uh, obviously we'll process through the various uh, medium-term expenditure committees. And finally, those formal processes will kick in where various intergovernmental structures that I spoke about earlier on will kick in, including all consultations that are necessary before this can become something that should be, that will find its way into the budget. But currently, no, it's not in this budget framework. Thank you. Thank you. Roy. Um, thank you very much, Chair and members of the committee. Just very quick responses on the loan guarantee scheme. Um, Honorable Ryder um, asked about whether or not people can reapply. Yes, they can reapply. On the question whether or not banks are pricing for risk, I think it's quite correct that it's in, it's in the bank's best interest to rather use their uh, higher interest rate products to lend on than the loan guarantee scheme. The loan guarantee scheme actually has a um, fixed um, preferential um, interest rate, which is the prime rate. So these small businesses are getting the same rate as the best customers of the of the business. Honorable uh, Sarapin talked about the small business requirements that um, tax affairs are not in order. You recall we do have a turnover tax system, which does make it a lot easier for businesses to um, meet their tax requirements. But I think it's very important that um, businesses are up to date with their taxes, or at least have filled in all their taxes um, before they can get um, support from the um, government. Uh, we've worked very closely with the presidency on this part of the scheme and actually in all parts of the scheme. Um, and I actually was um, meeting with the presidency people this morning about it. Um, I think the Honorable Butlesia, in the interest of time, we did ask for a, a summary of the salient features of the scheme. Um, we have got a, a document on our website, Q&A, um, which we will also be putting out a, an updated Q&A um, either this afternoon or tomorrow morning um, after the minister's speech, just to update all the different changes that have been made um, to the scheme. And so that I think will go a long way um, towards explaining the scheme in a, in, in a very straightforward way. I mean, we really would like to ask members to um, encourage their constituents to know about the scheme and to apply for the scheme. Uh, we certainly want to have um, lots of applications. And the Honourable Karim made the point that there, you know, there's been quite a lot of um, discussion about the scheme and that there does appear to be a lot of progress that has been made and I think is quite correct. We definitely have been listening to all the inputs from various um, stakeholders um, you know, across the spectrum um, to try and make the scheme better. And even this update is just a kind of an interim update. I think we'll see a lot more about how we can make the scheme um, get um, better as we uh, as it goes along. There was also a question, I think, with Honorable Drosso about the interest on repayments. Um, in terms of that, um, the interest actually um, capitalizes, but just the interest component. So you don't have interest on interest. So um, you, when you do start repaying, uh, you will have to start um, paying at the interest rate. Um, 
but uh, that is obviously linked to the repo rate and the repo rate as you know has come down a huge amount um, over the last few months and so it's making a lot more a uh, lot cheaper uh, for the scheme to be realized i think i've covered all the, the questions right right mm -mm. you haven't um, oh. i i one i i take the point about what is going to be updated but give us a snapshot of what is, is obtaining now um obviously we go for the detail and say i said the main sudden features of, of the scheme why you can go to the website and so on uh, i think you can you can do that that's number one and number two i i said is it 100 billion is it 200 billion is it 300 billion because since we started here we've had all those figures okay please if you can i i Yes, certainly, Chair. I mean, uh, um, I'm happy to go through the, the details. I'll actually um, put up a little document um, just taking you through the main components of the scheme um, just to help members a bit. I hope you can all see that one. Um, this is the document that I was talking about, which is answering all the questions about the loan guarantee scheme. This is the previous scheme, so I'll explain a little bit um, about what has changed. Um, I think to your question about is it a uh, hundred uh, billion or 200 billion or 300 billion, how we've structured it is that the first portion will be a hundred billion and then we'll see how that works. And then if there is a capacity to increase it by more than a hundred billion, uh, then we will do that and we'll look at um, trying to improve how it's designed. And also we have, I think one of the questions that came up was around the role of the DFIs. We have had some in engagement with some of the DFIs on potentially how they could come into the to the scheme. So, um, you know, this document talks a little bit about how the scheme is structured. Um, it's basically a back to back guarantee um, with the Reserve Bank um, who manages the scheme. That is the Reserve Bank uh, manages the scheme um, and works with the banks. Uh, which banks are participating? Uh, previously, it was only the big six banks. But now we've extended the scheme to another um, three much smaller banks, which we think will help a lot in terms of trying um, to get more um, businesses um, signed up, because particularly some of the small banks um, actually lend quite a lot to small businesses. So the big banks obviously lend to bigger businesses and the smaller banks tend to make have a bigger market in the smaller end of, end of the spectrum. And so I think it's very important to extend the scheme. Um, in terms of which businesses qualify, at the time it was originally 300 million um, with a turnover of less than 300 million in good standing. As I've said, we've now taken away that um, turnover um, component. Um, and then the conditions that are attached to the loan, we've extended this, but at the time the, um, the loan was only there for operational expenditures, particularly salaries, rent and so forth. What we really want people to do is to use the loan in terms of allowing them to keep paying their um, staff, to keep paying their rent and to keep paying their municipalities. But also now what we've done is we've seen it to be a business restart loan, which means that um, um, businesses can now use the loan to also restart um, themselves, I think, to make it a lot easier um, for them to operate. I won't go into, uh, let me talk a little bit about the profits. Uh, all the profits actually come to the government because the government is uh, the guarantor of the scheme. 
we also obviously take all the losses. Um, and uh, the other banks have got a lot of conditions that they have to meet um, in terms of their criteria. Um, and then, you know, we obviously are worried about what happens if a business that is taking out a loan closes down. Um, in that case, the, the loan is treated as equity. So I think that was like just a quick summary of the salient features of the scheme. I think, Jeff, it helped. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Afternoon, Chairperson and Honourable Members. Julia De Bruyne here. Um, the Honourable Joseph wanted us to just remind the committee again what the criteria that the committee must use if you want to make any amendments to what has been proposed. So just quickly from the Money Bills Amendment Act, for every amendment that the committee would like to make, you have to provide a report that indicates the following. Firstly, the reason for such a proposed amendment. Secondly, you must demonstrate how the amendment takes into account the broad strategic priorities and allocations of the relevant budget. Then you have to demonstrate the implications of each proposed amendment for an affected vote and the main divisions within that vote. Fourthly, you have to demonstrate the impact of any proposed amendment on the balance between transfer payments, capital and recurrent spending in the affected vote. Fifthly, you have to set out the impact of any proposed amendment on service delivery. Sixthly, you have to set out the manner in which the amendment relates to the prevailing departmental strategic plan the reports of the Auditor General, the committee reports adopted by our House, the reports in terms of Section 32 of the PFMA, annual reports, and any other information submitted to a House or a committee in terms of the standing rules or on request. And then finally, for every amendment, you have to include the responses of the Minister or affected member of Cabinet to any proposed amendment. So, for example, should you wish to say you do not wish to have uh, the reduction to the CASP program, you would have to answer all of those questions in relation to that program. Thank you, Chair. Thank, thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, if I may come in. Please do. Um, yes, uh, Ed Gassishi, just to speak on the compensation side. Um, uh, members will have noted that in the in the um, uh, in this supplementary budget, uh, while there there have been uh, fairly minimal changes to the compensation number compared to the main budget, members must be reminded of the fact that this uh, budget and the allocations are still based on the presumption that the savings on the wage bill that were announced in February apply. 160 billion over the MTF, of which 37.8 billion comes out of the current year's uh, baselines. So it's important for members to be reminded of the fact that 
Um, while you look at that, we are still uh, assuming that that money comes out of um, of, of of that baseline. Uh, we consider that that uh, saving is absolutely critical to the credibility of the fiscal framework, given it's uh, what we have said, obviously, um, including in, in, in uh, the Labour Court. But the point is that I just want to remind honourable members that that is the case. I also wanted to make sure as a last point uh, to clarify to the committee that when we talk about that wage bill saving that is uh, built in to uh, the framework, um, there is sometimes a misconception, and the minister uh, was very clear in this regard in February. There's sometimes a misconception that this means that there is a cut in the salaries of civil servants. The wage bill saving of 160.2 billion is not a cut in the salaries of civil servant, servants. It is a slowdown in the rate of growth. We consider that uh, uh, um, uh, civil servants are still being remunerated fairly, and that in fact um, the past year's remunerations uh, has been more than fair. And in that regard. Um, the savings are built in. We consider that the savings are absolutely essential. Public servants are still receiving their full salaries, and they're still receiving pay progression on those salaries, which is more than I think many people in the private sector can say. But we consider that those savings are absolutely critical, and they are built into the current framework. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. Um, Chairperson, thank you so much excuse to the me, team. Excuse me, Chairperson, just, just a second, Chairperson. Okay, that's fine, it's fine, Zembo, it's fine. Thanks, I mean. thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, Mr. Sishi, just, just, just uh, to put ourselves at ease in this question, if at any time soon there's agreement, either way, in terms of the court arrangement regarding this compensation of employees, won't there be a need for us to reconvene and reconsider whatever arrangement that we have adopted? If that could be a, a clarified better person, thank you. Mr. Sijin. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, and thank you, uh, Honorable uh, Lenzan. Um, not necessarily, uh, sir, uh, because there's different ways in which we... Um, I presume what you are asking is if we don't, um, if we lose the fight with the unions. I assume that's the that's the question you are asking. Um, uh, it, it would have. Let me just be clear. It would have a very bad impact um, on the budgets of departments. A very bad impact. For example, the the discussion that was um, that was raised earlier about infrastructure is an important discussion in this regard. We consider that an important way in which um, you are able to redirect funds towards infrastructure uh, and, and make that infrastructure investment possible for economic growth is if you're able to prevent these uh, monies from going towards salaries more and more and more. And to the extent that that does not happen, to the extent that you end up having to pay higher salaries, Unfortunately, that money must come from somewhere. And if you keep the overall ceiling the same, if you keep the ceiling the same, then what you'll find is you'll find that money will be grabbed from other areas in order to feed those compensation budgets in 
departments. And it's our view that we have to do everything in our part to make sure that does not happen because that will affect our ability to make those investments. And that will be very bad for um, uh, for the economy. Um, and it will be very bad for uh, uh, government finances. Um, so you don't necessarily need to have a raising in the ceiling and therefore a change in the framework overall, but it will have a significant impact in the composition of expenditure, which we, we don't want to see happen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Um, just quickly on the issue. Mampo, just a second. Honorable uh, uh, Joseph. Chairperson, um, if I may please ask a follow-up question with Mr. Sisi. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it, and you are the last one. Thank you, uh, sir. Uh, thank you, Chair. I just want clarity on the accusation that Kusatu is making that the Minister or National Treasury is walking away from an agreement that exists. So um, I, I, I understand the inflation is low and, uh, and it should also in a way open up the economy. But in terms of the agreement, according to Kusato, if the Minister would, if, if the Minister didn't come um, with an um. Mr. Sish, you caught, you caught the drift of the question. Please come in. Yeah, I mean, very quickly, um, uh, Mr. Chairman, I think the bottom line is, and we've made this point um, quite clearly, um, the fiscal and economic situation um, has been in deterioration for some time and has accelerated now. We're seeing just a, a bloodbath in jobs, tragic situation in people's earnings, people taking pay cuts of 10, 20, 30, 40% um, off of their incomes um, in this economy, people losing their jobs, as I said. We, um, uh, public servants have got full employment and wage protections. They have um, um, uh, pay progression built in. Um, and so what we're saying is we're saying that a reasonable approach to managing this and to managing both the public finances on the one hand and the remuneration of public servants on the other, especially when we need nurses and teachers and other frontline services to be there and we don't find ourselves in a situation where we have to reduce the numbers because we can't afford the salaries. Um, this is something that is absolutely critical and we think that um, it is reasonable um, um, uh, for uh, labor unions and stakeholders at large to recognize the dire economic situation that we're in and to recognize that with people losing their jobs um, by the, you know, in droves, that um, the issue of moderation in the public service salaries is absolutely critical. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Dr. Mampo. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I just wanted to say the last issue that I see we didn't respond to would be um, the comments that you made um, regarding the economic growth and how to fast track the, um, the pace of growth in the economy. I think what I wanted to say here is that um, we did publish a, a growth paper and we think that what the, the reforms that are in that paper we think are so critical in moving the economy. So we are looking at that and we did 
um, do studies on trying to figure out how best we can boost the economy. And we think what we highlighted in the growth paper that was published with the budget review, um, it's enough for us to start kick-starting the economy. And it focuses on low-hanging fruits such as regulations and other policy um, directions that don't necessarily need additional funding but can be done by the department to or departments to um, reduce the cost of doing um, business and basically enable the economy my to grow. Is, um, uh, my, my apologies, Chair. Mm -hmm. Dr. Mampo has forgotten to switch on a camera, Chair. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, but I think the deal is sorry. Dr. Mampo, are you done? Yes, Chairperson, thank you so much. But I, I, I was very specific, uh, Dr. Mampo, we, we, we know that document. I was saying about the things that we, we consume as a country and the big budget items, why are we not producing them in the country? And I, I, I said in our interaction with some of the departments, they said there are laws and legislation which prevent them from doing that. And my argument is that we make the laws. And I don't think there's a single political party will say, no, no, we shouldn't uh, uh, localize. So I don't know whether you, you mind to comment on that. Um, thanks, Chair, of oh, the video. <laughs> thanks, Chairperson. I think most of the issues that you are raising will be dealt with through the procurement bill that is up for public comment. And I hope that it will incorporate some of this to make sure that localization becomes a greater feature in how we do things. But most of it can be resolved through the procurement bill. Um, thanks, Chairperson. Okay. Um, uh, Okay, I I don't know. Oh, I'm sure the DG might have gone to the uh, to the. No, no, no. The, the DG is here. Okay. Uh, thank but... you very much. I think look, Mampa did explain. It's a good starting point. I think our you know, the sector master plans that I know the economic cluster is busy working on, that specifically look, answer your question answers your question, Chair, and say why can't we produce ventilators? Why can't we produce masks in the country in bulk? Things mm. that we need on a daily basis. So I think that the challenge is there for industry, the challenge is there for various sectors, and our DTI colleagues I know are flat out working on these because COVID-19 has really uh, you know, you know, showed us what's possible as a country to actually do things ourselves and also what's possible for us to be able to boost our economy. So Chair, thank you very much for the engagement and we, we welcome the questions and those that questions that we could not answer in full uh, members of the because we are more than ready and prepared to provide mm -hmm. any written submissions, if so, if needed. Thank you. Okay, um, thank you so much. DG uh, and Roy, uh, can you please uh, email the document that you have just shared with us to the uh, committee secretaries? And committee secretaries, can you immediately share the, that, that document with them? Uh, as is, I know that you said you were pleased with the amendments. And also, once you have made amendments, share those amendments with, uh, with us. The other members would like to, uh, to study and the document more in, 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 in detail. Honorable members, Honorable uh, Jadu, I don't know whether you, you would like to say something. Yeah, yes, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, um, and also for the opportunity to be the co-chairperson today. And, uh, and also thank you very much, uh, Honorable Swiss uh, for Abutelezi. 
all your good relationship and also making sure that the two committees between the two houses are operating and working very closely in the good relationship between the committees. And uh, the DG and DOC uh, and Team National Treasury uh, is greatly appreciated uh, in terms of the, a, a very detailed briefing uh, and sound, count, sound calculations, clear reasons for why funds are moved, and also uh, to all the members of both uh, committees of appropriations of the National Assembly and National Council of Provinces, your engagements to ensure proper oversight and accountability. The briefing was effective, and I want to thank all the stakeholders who participated in this meeting. And Chairperson, and once more, thank you very much. If there's nothing else, then we will say that the meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Honorable Judge. I think this uh, <clears throat> this takes us to the uh, to the end of 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 of, of this meeting. Um, uh, thank you very much, DG, and, and your team, Dr. Mampo. Uh, we're still going to engage, and uh, we are meeting tomorrow. Um, Campaign secretaries, what time? Uh, committee secretaries, beg your pardon. At nine o'clock, Chairperson, in the morning, but the members and, and, and colleagues will be welcome to join anytime after half past eight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to the to the team, to the staff and everybody. Uh, the meeting stands adjourned. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chairperson. Mm. Yep. Keep going. Thank you.